0: All right, y'all ready? ready? Awesome, all right, so we're in Romans chapter six now. We're, we're starting the new stretch of the book of Romans. Um, you can come down just a little bit, Eric. Again, this is Tim's short complex. I don't know what it is, but um, okay, so Romans uh, chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, I always say bring your Bibles every week, right? Bring, bring your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible, there's always free Bibles in the baskets on the other side of that wall or download a Bible app on your phone. Tons of free Bible apps, we use one that's called you version. If you just search Bible, it's usually at the top of the list. Um, but we're going to get to Romans chapter 6 in just a minute. So we just finished. Last Sunday was Easter. Woo! Right? Like, and, uh, and so we did Romans 1 through 5, the road to Easter. And now after Easter, what does it mean to be alive in Christ? What does it mean to live into Christ and have him live in you? And uh, that's where this transition starts in chapter 6. So we're going to be in this series through 6. Through chapter eight, and uh, just you know, chapter eight is like four sermons. Okay, so there's a lot in in this part, and we're going to be talking about some doctrine stuff. So if you're new to church and like, what's doctrine mean? Don't worry about it. We'll explain it, and we're I try to make God's word make sense, and we're going to make this makes sense uh, today. Uh, I always encourage you um, to grab one of these. These are the reading plans, right? Every series we have a reading plan, and so if you haven't started that with us, you can grab one of these on your way out at the table in the middle between the doors, or you can go to our app or um, on our website, and on it has a way to spend time with God every day. So we use the SOAP method to cleanse our souls, right? Okay, it's just a joke, but it's scripture, observation, application, prayer. It's a simple method to do every day, and then we have the reading plan so that you can read leading up to the sermon that we preach on Sundays. And um, and so, if you are ready, you've already read through Romans chapter six, and we are jumping into it together. Now, getting to where we are in chapter six, this is what we learned, right? Through one through five, is that all have sinned, that sin is debt, it needed to be paid. Jesus paid our debt and that God made us right before him, and now we can have a relationship with God. Woohoo! hoo yeah. <laughs> It's good chapters right there, right? Like, there's a lot in there. So if you missed any of that, just so you know, you can always go to our YouTube channel, or go to our website, and you can watch any of the sermons, and go back and watch them, and get caught up if you want to. Um, so. So we are in chapter six, and we have a memory verse on those reading plans, and uh, the memory verse is actually in chapter six, uh, verse twenty-three. And so I'm going to ask you to read this out loud, which is this is exactly what I just said. This is like sums up one through five. Okay. So everybody ready to read this out loud together? This side is. You guys ready? Yep. All right. This side ready? This side. This side. All right. We're at a baseball game now. All right. So here we go. Out loud for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord that's it right i mean this is like the verse in the bible i think right this is this is what we all need the wages of our sin is death that's debt that we had to, that has to be paid for our sin but the gift of god he gifts it to us he's done everything for us to have this is eternal life meaning life with him forever No more sin, no more brokenness, no more confusion, no more hatred. No, like all that's gone in eternal presence with our Heavenly Father. And that's what we all long for and look towards. And who is it in? Christ Jesus, our Lord. This word right here is a pretty big deal. Lord. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Uh, as we get into verse, or chapter 6, okay? So I'm going to read today Romans 6, 1 through 14 is kind of the key. We're going to use the whole thing, but if you would like to stand with me as we read the passage for today, uh, we stand here at New Hope to honor God's Word, and we respect God's Word, and we hold it in high esteem, and that's what we study here at New Hope is God's Word. So I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 14, and, um, and I'm going to be reading in the New International Version, NIV. This is what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of our Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection or with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought to from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but you are under grace. God, this is a good word today. And we need this word to penetrate our hearts. We need to understand it, we need to live by it, and uh, and today God, I pray you'd free us, free some of us from the lies, free some of us from sin. Free us from legalism and perfectionism, help us truly understand grace, and help us to live as Christ. Holy Spirit of God, speak to each of our hearts. And we just ask this in Christ's name alone. Everybody said amen? Amen. amen. Awesome. You guys can have a seat. So we are in this series now, and we're calling it Alive in Christ, okay? Because we want to be alive in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever been really, really smart and really, really stupid at the same time? Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Like, okay. It happens, and I don't know why it happens, but it happens. Okay, last week was Easter, and um, um, my mother-in-law wanted to kill our family with candy, all right? So she, she gave us lots of candy, and she gave us one of the—I the, haven't had this in so long time—the Cadbury egg. Here's a picture, right? So I'm going to make you all hungry for candy, right? So who, who, just showing you, who likes Cadbury eggs? Like, okay, some of you do. Who likes the caramel ones? There's caramel ones. Those are like, and there's different flavors. Some of you are like, I don't like any of them, Tim. Uh, Just walk with me through this. So I haven't had one in a long, long time. And here's the thing about what's on the inside of that egg. It's some kind of crack, okay? Some kind of something (laughs) that does something to your brain, okay? I don't know what it is. What, I, I didn't read the ingredients, but there's something in it that makes you want it, and when you're done with it, you want another one. That's what happened to me, all right? So, like, so I hadn't had one in a long time. I had one. I'm like, oh, these are so good. Now, there, there was a night, um, there was a, the, a night, it was actually Sunday night. <laughs> it's Easter night, and it was late. Usually, I, Sundays are long days, and, and Easter Sundays were a really long day, and, like, it takes a long time for me to just unwind after a long day, and, uh, and so I was staying up late, and I walked into the kitchen, and I saw the bag of Cadbury eggs. I'm telling you, it's like 11 o'clock at night, okay? Now, y'all are laughing right now. Let me tell you how smart I was. I looked at those eggs, and I talked out loud to myself in the kitchen, and I said, Tim, you do not need one of those. I'm saying this out loud. If you eat one of those, you're not going to be able to sleep because it's full of sugar, and so a conversation started that kind of looked like this don't eat it. (laughs) Eat it. Anybody have one of those like devil angel things on your shoulders? Like one saying like, don't do it. Don't do it. There's like, do it, do it, do it. All of a sudden it's like, don't do it, don't do it. Do it, do it. Right. It's like, this one gets really loud. And so I'm telling myself, I don't need that Cadbury egg. I'm not. So you know what ended up happening? I ate the (laughs) the Cadbury egg. (laughs) I grabbed it out of the bag. The whole time, I'm unwrapping it. It's not easy to unwrap one of those, you know? It's like, it's sticky to it. I'm like, the whole time, I had, I had so many outs, you know, the whole time to be like, nope, I'm gonna zip that thing back up. I'm gonna, nope, I'm unwrapping it. It's like the tinfoil sticking apart. But I'm like, I'm eating it. I don't care, right? And, then, and then, I, then I ate it. And just so you know, it tasted good. <laughs> like, it still tasted good. And I didn't sleep well that night, all right? So... So there are consequences to bad choices, right? And, but we can be so smart and so stupid sometimes at the exact same time. And why do we do that? Why do we do that, right? What is that tension that happens inside of us when we, like, we want to do something right, but we, we just, uh, that, that desire or that temptation or whatever just kind of drags us over here to the do it, do it, don't do it. And we, we live in that tension, and some of us, we live in that tension every day with some things in our lives, right? That we just struggle with. We try to get over, but maybe you accepted Christ. Maybe you have a real relationship with Christ, and still you struggle with these things. Maybe you don't know Christ yet, and you're like, yeah, well, that's, you know, the angel's not that loud in my life, and I just do what I want. Okay. But the reality is, no matter what, there's going to be consequences to the choices that we make. So what happens? What happens when we sin, even though we've been forgiven? What happens? Right? What is, what is this... Look like. And so we get into the end of Romans chapter 5, and we see this argument in Romans chapter 5, where this is what it says. It says in verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. So, so the Old Testament, we saw the law was the, the rule of the day in the Old Testament. It was a bunch of rules that they had to keep. And the whole thing with the law, the reason the law was there, the law, all it did is revealed where you were wrong. That's all it did. It couldn't do anything else but say, that was wrong it's against the law. And still today, our laws in our country. It's the same way. A, A law can't do anything except for let you know you broke it, right? That's what laws do. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So, sin increases, so God's grace covers that sin, and His grace increases all the more if you're saved, right? If you have a relationship with Jesus. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So again, who do we have eternal life through? Jesus Christ our Lord. We've painted that picture with the whole chasm in the cross, right? Like, He bridged us, uh, bridged the gap between our sin and God and made us right before God. But the question in this is like, so if I'm saved, meaning now God sees me as right, what happens when I continually sin, even though He's made me right? And, and this argument is, well, like, legalists would say, well, does that mean like people just have free reign then? You just keep on sinning because grace is going to grow. So if you want more grace in your life, just sin more, right? Like, like the bad theology, by the way. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're answering the question of that tension of, of well, well, then what keeps us from sinning, if it's not the law telling us you did wrong, you did wrong, what is that? Well, that's what we're going to be answering for the next four or five weeks, is what do we do with that? I'm going to start that conversation today. But here's what, he, here's what he's saying. Do we want sin to reign in our life or do we want grace to reign in our life? And this is the first point. Let's let God's grace reign in your life, not sin. Right? If there's something that's going to reign over you, that's going to reign over your life, that's going to lead you, let it be God's grace that leads you, not sin that leads you. Right? You with me? If you are, say yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so here's that tension, but if we let grace reign, I'm still going to sin, though. I'm not perfect. So what do we do? What do we do with this tension? H- how do we walk into this? Um, how do we not be legalists? But how do we walk in grace? But how do we not walk in sin? How do we—what does all this look like? That's that's what we're going to talk about. So let's go back to Romans chapter 6, and we're just going to read verse 1 through 7 and start to unpack this idea, okay? So this is what it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? So he answers the question, right? Like, should we just keep sinning? More sin, more grace. More sin, more grace. Woohoo! I got lots of God's grace in my life, right? Because so, I'm sinning like crazy, you know? Like, no, no, no. This is what he says. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He says, by no means, right? He answers the question. Like, that's not the point of grace, it's not an allowance to continue sinning. He said, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We just celebrated baptisms. This is that image. The, the image of baptism is the image of being buried under the water. It's, the, the word is baptismo or baptizo, which means to get wet all over. It's immersed, right? And so you're buried under the water just as Christ was buried in the tomb but you don't stay under the water. We let them come up, okay, right? So, But what the symbolism is, is that when you're buried, you're burying your old self. You're burying your sin so that it no longer reigns and rules in your life, okay? And so, so we were baptized as Jesus in his death, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's that imagery coming up, back up out of the water. That's why we don't hold you till you stop breathing, right? Do you see Jesus? You know, we don't do that, all right? Um, so, like, you're dead. That was a joke, y'all. Like, we don't, if... Some of you are looking at me weird. So when you're, you're under the water, that's representing that burial with Christ. Your old self, your sin, buried... And then when you come back out of the water, it's that representation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are raised to new life. You don't live any longer in the sin you're dead to. You live into God and Christ. This is why the series is called Alive in Christ. We don't want to be alive in sin. We want to be alive in Christ. We want to be dead to sin and not let it rule and reign in our hearts. Let me keep reading. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like his. Like, this, this is great doctrinal stuff right here. This is what happens when we, when we experience salvation, right? For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Let that rule and reign of sin in your life be done, be finished that we should no longer be slaves to sin. It doesn't own us. We've been set free. That's the debt of sin has been paid for. We've been bought out of slavery into freedom, right? Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is good news. This is good news. This whole idea that, uh, that you're dead to sin or that when you're, you're buried, you're, your sin is buried and it's done, right? This whole imagery, this whole idea of... If, of this. if something is dead, it's pretty much done, right? Like, we had a pet hamster. When it died, it was no longer a pet hamster. It was done, right? Like, it's, it's finished. It do- okay, I don't know that. Oh, <laughs> scratch that off there, all right? I'm going about talk about a hamster. Think about it this way. Okay, think about This, uh, this is going to be a little morbid, but just go with me, okay? Think about it this way. Let's, let's imagine John. John... Um, was, was a decent guy, but he was speeding. He was going 100 miles per hour in a 35 mile per hour zone. That's a bad thing to do. Don't ever do that, okay? And pretty much, you know you're breaking the law. You're sinning against the law in, in the realm, and, and, and you get pulled over. The trooper finds you. He pulls you over. There's one of two things going to happen. One, you're going to get like a crazy giant fine, and, and he might take your license right at that moment. Um, if he shows a little grace, he just might give you a fine and say um, you're going to have to appear in court with a giant ticket. And so he knows he's broken, he's broken the law. Now, he's going to have consequences for that law, right? He has to pay that ticket. But imagine the next day he has a heart attack and dies. And now you're at his funeral, and the cop is at his funeral, and the cop has the ticket in his hands, and he goes up to the casket and says, hey, you have to pay this ticket. Does he, is he going to pay that ticket? <laughs> nope. No, he's dead. <laughs> it's done. That ticket is now null and void. All oh, right, is that too morbid? I don't know how else to talk about death, because this is what we're talking about death here, all right? This is what it's saying. That ticket is, is now dead. N- nobody is going to pay for that ticket. It's, it's done. This is the image that he's talking about. When, when sin, when we accept Christ and we are risen again, we are dead to sin, the law that caused that sin is now null and void Amen. in the presence of Jesus Christ. It's already been paid for. It can't be paid for again. Death has finished your sin. Amen. And so it no longer has jurisdiction in your life. Are you with me? This is what he's saying. You need to be dead to sin because it's it's dead. It's been finished. It's been buried. Jesus has finished the work on the cross for the forgiveness of all your sins. Sin no longer rules in your heart, no longer reigns in your life. It is dealt with. It is finished. It is dead. Okay? This is this imagery that he's given us. So he's challenging us. If it's dead, then why do we still sin? Why do we still sin? Well, that's the challenge. That's the the thing I'm going to answer. But here's the first challenge. Okay, fill in the blank. Everybody ready? Once you've been saved, start to live like you are saved. That's what he's saying. If you've been dead to sin, don't let the dead sin rule back in your life. It's gone. He says, if you are saved and you are alive in Christ, start to live like you're saved. Start to live like you're in Christ. You start to change. Your life starts to change. You start to look different, and it happens from the inside out. It's from the desire to the action. And that's what, that's what uh, Jesus wants to do. He wants to change us from the inside out. He wants us to be saved, yes, and then he wants us to live like we are saved, to be alive in Christ, not continue to try to live into our sin. Okay, now I'm going to talk about some fancy words, Okay. And uh, I, They're on your worship program, on your notes, and I left some room underneath these so you can actually write some of the stuff down if you want to. If you're the type of person that says, I don't like writing, grab your phone and take a picture of these slides, okay? Once they're up on the screen, I will, I will go like this, okay? And then you can take a picture <laughs> and then post it on Facebook, okay? So here we go. So this is what I want to talk about, this whole idea of this, this frustration and that tension. Yes, we're dead to sin, but we still sin after we're saved, what do we do with it? Okay, here's these fancy words that we're talking about through the book of Romans. This is kind of doctrine type stuff. And the first word we've talked about a lot leading up to this is this word justified, right? We've said it's just as if I had not sinned before God. Like he, he doesn't see our sin. And so when we accept Jesus Christ, when we confess with our mouth, believe in our hearts that Jesus is who he said he is and that he died for you, when you do that, you are justified before God. And this is, what, this is what it is. You're justified in the past. That means everything in your past is now forgiven before God. That we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Meaning we don't, we're not going to have to pay for our sin when we see God. It's been paid for for us. When God sees our name in the book at the point of judgment, he sees his son's name written on top of it. The penalty has been paid for. If you don't know Christ, if you have not confessed him, you have to pay for your own sin, and that's eternal damnation. This is the truth, and so you get to choose. That's the free will choice we all get to get. I'd rather be justified by Christ than live in my own condemnation for my own sin and pay for it. I'd rather be justified not having the penalty of my sin. Jesus paid for it. This is a one-time experience, meaning when you accept, boom, you are justified. You are your sin is buried and you're now alive in Christ. This is positional. Remember we talked, was that last Sunday Easter when I talked about positional and conditional? Yeah. Right? That this isn't conditional based upon how good you are or are you like earning your way to get to good with God? Like this is God positioning you, saying you are right with me. It's positional and this is God's work for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. That is justification. That's, that's to be justified And so that's what we've been talking about. One through five is all about that. Now we're moving into um, six through eight, and it's this next fancy word, this word sanctified. Sanctified, okay? Or sanctification. To be sanctified, this happens in the present, meaning this is right now today. We are being sanctified. We're being changed. We're being made to look more like Jesus. That's the process of this word sanctified, that we are now dead to sin, so we start to look more like Christ. We start to live like We are saved because we have been saved. We have been justified. This is present. We are being saved from the power of sin. Here we've been saved from the penalty. Now the power is being released from sin in our life. We're being freed from it, right? This is a lifelong experience. I mean, it's ongoing every day, every week. Like, we are continually growing. It's continual. And this was God's work for us. This is God's work in us is to be sanctified. He's working in our hearts and in our lives to help us grow, okay? We're gonna keep going deeper. I got lots of charts. Yeah. <laughs> this is Tim the teacher right now, all right? So, so sanctified. <clears throat> now, sanctified goes somewhere because there's a future attached to our salvation, right? There is a past. We're justified. There's a present. We're being sanctified. We're being changed. We're growing. And then there's a future where we get to be glorified. woo hoo Amen. This is good. This is in the future. We will be saved from the presence of sin. This is eternity. This is where we're in God's presence, and all of the brokenness is done, right? That we will be saved from the presence of sin. We're saved from the power of it while we're here on this earth, and then we'll never see it again. We're with Him forever in eternity. Amen, right? Amen. This is an eternal experience. (laughs) This is forever in God's presence. This is a part of the gift that we get and the thing that as Christ follows, we long for the day, the capital D day of Christ's return, that we get to live in that presence and in that gift forever. This is final to be glorified, and this is God's work to us. He did this to us. He's going to glorify us. We get to live in a glorified state as Christ lives in his glorified state today. Isn't that good news? So this is that process. This is the spiritual process that we all go through. We get justified, saved, right? Just as if I have not sinned, and that is God's work for, or or, um, that's God's work, excuse me, God's work for us. We get sanctified, the continual process, God working in us and changing us, and then we get glorified, God's work to us forever in eternity. This is the good news. This is what we get to experience. Now, um, we all want this, but the problem is, we have got to go through this. <laughs> we still got to live in this broken world. <clears throat> we still have to live in that tension. What we go through, and so I'm going to show you another picture. If you've been through Growth Track, this is going to look very familiar with we. We, we teach this stuff in our Growth tra- Track experience um, because I want to show you what we call we call the discipleship wheel. A disciple is somebody who's changed, or, uh, surrendered to God, changed by the Holy Spirit, and living like Jesus. That's, what we, that's how we define a disciple. Somebody who's surrendered to God. You've given your life to God. He is your Lord. You're changed by the Holy Spirit. That means you have the Holy Spirit in you and He is sanctifying you. He's helping you grow so that you then live like Jesus. You look more like Christ. The longer you walk on that journey... But we've seen that there's a natural pattern of spiritual growth that happens in people's lives. <clears throat> and, and we use this to help us help you grow. We, we use this to help people take steps in their spiritual growth. And today, you may be able to look at this as I explain it, and you can say, well, I know where I'm at on this. I know where I am kind of my spiritual growth, and I know what I need to do next, okay? It's just a tool. This isn't like absolute scripture. This is just a tool. But this is where it starts right here. Before you know Christ, you are spiritually dead You're living for the world and yourself. That's just where you are before you know Christ. That's just you live for you, you make your own choices, and you also have to pay for your own sin and your own consequences. Like that's just that you're dead spiritually. And hopefully you experience salvation, the gift of Christ. And when you experience salvation, now you start this journey and the spiritual growth with God, and you become what I would say is a spiritual infant. So a spiritual infant. You think about a baby, right? What can a baby do for itself? Not much, right? Right. They eat, they poop, they sleep. That's and they cry, right? That's what they do. And uh, and babies need a lot of care. We, I would we use this word as a spiritual infant. You are brand new in the faith. Maybe you've never read, read the Bible. Maybe you've been to church, but you didn't really understand anything that the preacher said. And you're like he was boring, and I took a nap. Like I don't know. Like like for your experience, like you you just don't know what you don't know. And so, we would call you a spiritual infant, and that's okay. We would use the word spiritual ignorance, meaning you don't know what you don't know. Ignorance is not a bad word. The literal definition is you just don't know. That's, that's what it is. And so, when you become a Christ, follower, you're like, I, I don't know what I should do and shouldn't do, or I, oh, I didn't even know that was a sin issue, or I didn't. So, you're just learning, and you're growing. That's okay. We want to help you grow. We want to help you where you are. Now, as you continue to grow and you get plugged into a church body and a community and you start reading the Bible on your own and praying and talking to God, that relationship should grow, right? And as it grows, you may then become a spiritual child, right? A spiritual child. So you think about a real child. Real children can do a little bit more for themselves, right? But typically, children are still kind of about them, and they still need taken care of, and whenever they show up somewhere, it's like, what are you going to feed me, right? Right? Uh, where, are, are you going to take me to my thing over there? Or, hey, can I do this? It's, always, it's like permission, and it's kind of self-centered, because they have to be. They're just not fully independent yet. And so we use the word for if you're a spiritual child, you've continued to grow, but you still may be a little kind of self-centered or kind of consumerist in your, in your Christianity, meaning when you show up to church, it's to get stuff, and that's Okay. If that's where you're at, like you're there to consume God, consume God's presence. You're in small groups with people, and you're there to like ask lots of questions and consume. And you know what I'm saying? That's it's okay to to be there. It's not okay to stay there, but it's okay to be there. You with me? And so we want to help you continue to grow to where you would transition from a spiritual child to a spiritual young adult. You think about this, the physical stage of young adults as they grow. They hopefully, leave the house, right? So they, they move out on their own. They get a job, and they, um, they become more independent, and they start actually producing something in society, right? They start giving. And so we think about spiritual young adults. They move from kind of infancy to, like, self-centeredness to now thinking about others first. This is where they become God-centered, and they start serving others in this spiritual growth. And, and you don't show up on church on Sunday just to, what can I get, what can I get? You start to think, who can I serve and who can I love? You start living outward instead of inward, right? And you start investing in people and, and you see things change inside of your heart and life as you do that. You actually find more joy in this process because you're using your spiritual gifts that God put in you. If you continue to grow as a young adult, you would become what we call a spiritual parent. So you think about a parent, a real parent isn't a parent until they have kids, right? That's when you become a parent. And the job of a parent is to take care of the kids to help them grow, to help them develop, to help them to to become a young adult and be sent out into the world, right? That's what a parent does. So spiritually speaking, this is what we would say, the spiritual parent helps others grow. They are spiritually mature, and, and they help develop spiritual infants, children, and young adults. These are, we use this phrase around here, the BGPs, right? The big godly people that we want you to have in your life. They're probably spiritual parents, and they want to mentor, they want to help you grow, they want to develop other people, to help other people understand Scripture because they've been studying it longer, right? So this is spiritual parent. So this is kind of the a g- general process of spiritual growth in our life, right? And so, like, you think about where you are in your journey with God, you could probably say, yeah, probably, you know, maybe I'm here, or, yeah, maybe I'm here, or I would like to be here, but I'm not yet, right? And it's okay, That's, this is just a tool for you to say, where am I? And we want to help you grow to the, whatever the next phase is. That's why we have small groups and mentoring and counseling for, for people who are here and here. So Sunday mornings, you know, there's a, we, we help a lot of you who are spiritual children, like to get and to receive. Like we want to teach you, help you understand. Um, and to help you grow to become a young adult, this is why we have growth track to help you hopefully move to here to where you start to serve and use your gifts and And then we have this thing called Equip, which is our 12-month cohort thing to help grow people up to become spiritually, emotionally, relationally healthy to be spiritual parents. Like, we've created spaces for you to grow, okay? It's your choice to take them. It's your choice to take the next step in your growth. Because here's the reality. Wherever you are, you're called to continue to move, to bury your old self. This is what it says in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. It says, You were taught... <clears throat> with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. This is kind of repeating what we're reading in Romans 6, right? Put off your old self. The old self is buried. You're, you're dead to sin, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. This is me, Cadbury egg, Cadbury egg, right? Like, like I'm still like, ah! You know, I still struggle with that. I'm trying to put that off, but it's being put on right here, right? Like, <clears throat> Which is being deceitful in the attitude to be made new in the attitude of your what? Your mind. So you change the way you think about it and to put on the new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is sanctification. This is the process of being like Christ. That struggle between my old self still does stuff. I can be stupid. I know I can. I can make bad choices. I can choose to sin, but I'm, I'm growing. I'm, I'm better than I was a year ago, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking more like Christ. And so let me, let me show you this now in chart. Whoo! In charts. Nobody celebrated with me. All right. Because this is, this is a chart, okay? So, so this is what it kind of looks like. Let's say down here, this is the timeline, okay? And the timeline, this is where you were spiritually lost. This is before you knew Christ over here. Once you accepted Christ, you immediately are justified, right? Like, this is God in his presence up at the top line. This is eternity and being glorified with him forever, right? The moment you accept Christ, you are immediately justified. So he sees you through the blood of Christ as forgiven. This is good news. This is what justification looks like on the chart. It's off the chart, right? Like like you get to experience the forgiveness of sins. Now now that you're justified, he says, now we're going to grow. We're gonna to start to grow. And this is what we hope it looks like, right? This is, this is the way we think like spiritual growth should look. That that we experience, you know, salvation, this is where we're justified, and then our spiritual growth is just always up and to the right until we meet Jesus, right? It's like it's just it's a, so easy just smooth sailing, boom, and then we meet Jesus. But that's not really how it ever works, right? For for all of us in this room, it looks more like this, right? This is what my life looks like. I don't know if your life it's a lot of peaks and valleys, it's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of things we go through in life, and so when we experience salvation, now we're being sanctified, meaning we're looking more like Christ. We're being changed, but it is like a peak and valley, up and down. Oh, yay, I'm with him. Boo, I made a bad choice. And until we get to Him in His presence, being glorified for eternity, the fancy word is progressive sanctification. We're progressively changed to look like Christ. We're continually growing. Now, let me zoom in on one of these little peaks and valleys, okay? Because this is what we go through. This is the process of sanctification. Okay? There's a lot of words here. So this is a zoom in. We accept Christ, and right when you accept Christ, there's a hunger for Him. You're hungry to, like, get to know Him more. You're hungry to, like, read the Bible, and you learn a new truth, and then you're like, yeah, it's a new truth, and you want to then apply that truth to your life because you're like, this is God working in me, and you get excited about that, and so you change something, and when you change it, you, you start to grow, and you get excited, and you rejoice in that truth. Like, yeah, this is so awesome. You can't wait to tell everybody, this is what I learned about God, and this is what He's doing in me. And then all of a sudden, you do something stupid, and you sin. Now, as a new believer, this is the moment of challenge. Because for some, this, this is the test of the soil of your heart. When you sin the first time, is it, you're going to think a couple of thoughts. One, maybe I never really got saved. And you question your salvation. Mm. The enemy loves to make you question your salvation. Yes, he, does. he will come in and make you doubt immediately. He'll say, no, I don't think, you actually weren't saved. You wouldn't be doing that if you actually knew Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you because you just did that. Why would he want you? Mm. Those are all lies of the devil. It is. Okay? Because the reality is, you're saved. You came to know Christ. You confess with your mouth and believe your heart. Boom. You are justified. So you're, on the, you're off the chart justified before God now you're just living life, and you're figuring it out, and so you sin, and then it's like this, oh, why did I do that? And then, then hopefully you experience a contrite, contrite mind. This is like humility that you'd realize, yeah, I messed up, and you'd want to seek the truth about the way you messed up or the way you sinned and whatever that sin was, and so you learn a new truth about that sin issue that you struggle with, and then you want to renew your mind. This is where the truth replaces the lies, this is where the lies of, like, I'm not good enough for God. I'm not, like, no, no, no. The truth is, I am a child of God. I, I sin, yes, but I'm still a child of God. What lie did I believe to actually accomplish that sin? I thought that sin was going to, like, actually fill me up with something, and it didn't, and that was the lie. So what's the truth I need to put on in my life instead of that sin? And so you start to renew your mind about that sin issue, whatever you're wrestling with. And so then you get to this point where you confess it to God and the appropriate people. If you sinned against just God, and it's just you, you confess it to God. If you sinned against somebody else, this is that learning process. Now you confess to God and to that person, I'm sorry I sinned against you, and you ask for forgiveness. When you ask for forgiveness and confess that sin, the next step is what we call radical amputation. We're going to talk about radical amputation. Jesus made a quote. He said, if your eye causes you sin, your hand causes you sin, poke it out, cut it off. It would be better to enter heaven without an eye or a hand. You're thinking, that's gruesome. And it's this idea of radically amputating something that would continually cause you sin. Why would you want to be near that thing if that thing continually causes you to sin? Remove it. Remove the temptation. That's why, after today, our Cadbury eggs are disappearing from our house. <laughs> I said, those need to go in a cabinet where Tim doesn't know, all right? So, like, they need to disappear. They need to radically amputate the thing that causes you to sin. And get it out. And so then you can apply truth and, and continue to move on to rejoice in truth. But then again, something is going to happen. You're going to sin or you're going to go through a trial in life. Something hard is going to happen. And then you're going to, well, maybe God doesn't love me. God always loves you. Amen. You're going through life. You're going through it. And the good news is not alone. God is with you in every peak and valley. And he is shaping you and changing you and helping you grow. The most growth you'll experience is actually right here, right. and when you start to go here, and so some people have. Had, I just this is Tim's testimony. I've gone through a lot of these, and I've had to learn a lot, and I'm way more mature today than I was ten years ago, way more mature than twenty years ago, because God has entrusted me to, to some deep valleys where I had to trust Him to help me out. help me grow. Then you do it again, right? So this is the process of sanctification. This isn't losing salvation. When you sin, you don't lose salvation. It's been buried, meaning it is dead before God. You want to continue to walk in Christ and live as if you're set free and let him change you and grow you in whatever season of life you're in. Here's the challenge. If you're a Christ follower— let God's grace reign in your life, not sin. And once you've been saved, start to live like you are saved, right? Know that you've been justified. You're thanking God for the process of being sanctified. So that one day you can be glorified in His presence and look to the future. But but here's the thing when we sin, we are still gonna struggle, even though our sin is forgiven. And there's consequences even with that. There's consequences and benefits, okay? So I want to wrap up talking about consequences and benefits. And so let's hop down to verse 19 of chapter 6. Um, he, he uses uh, the illustration of slavery being, like, sold and bought and paid for, that image of slavery, And this is what he says in verse 19. He says, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. So he's like, so that you can understand better, right? Just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness. He's like, that's what you used to do. That was your old self. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Holiness is a good word. Let me keep reading to 20. Uh, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Does that make sense? When you let sin reign, you weren't right. Like, you didn't let righteousness rule. Sin was ruling. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you now are ashamed of? Those things result in death! Exclamation mark, right? He's like, death! That is, that is the consequence of living into sin. Sin causes death. That's what it does. And so we see this image of sin with consequence of death. Things die when we sin, right? So let me me use an illustration of a workplace. Let's say you work in an office. And in that office, uh, some people get along really well, but there's one person that doesn't. And that person uh, just has a tendency even though they work in the same place, has a tendency to like go off and start to gossip about you. And then they like make up lies about you to other people and start spreading those lies to other people. And then they do the, just the unforgivable, they steal your lunch. And it was like like your favorite food. And they eat it. And then they say, oh, I didn't eat that. I don't, know what, I don't know what happened with your lunch. And then they just lie about it. Let me would there be consequences for that person in that office in relationship with everybody else? Yep. Correct. Here's this imagery of sin leads to death. When they sin against their coworkers, their relationship with their coworkers starts to die. Because trust is gone, right? You can't trust that person anymore. You're gonna like padlock your lunch now, right? And, and you're going to plug your ears the moment they start talking about somebody else. Because I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be part of that gossip. Like, their relationship is going to be torn apart. Does that mean you're no longer co-workers? No, you're still co-workers. You still work at the same place. You still have the same boss. You're still in the same building. But your relationship is not going to be close. See, this is the imagery of sin. This is the consequences. There are consequences of sin. Even after you've been saved. Even after you have a have been forgiven of your sins and it's been buried and you're dead to sin, when you still sin, there will still be consequences to sin. The ultimate one is death, right? Like that's what sin causes is death. But death in what? Death in relationship. When you sin against God, even though you're saved, you're going to start to have a distant relationship with God. He's not going to leave you, but he can't be super close to you. If you're continually sinning against him over and over and over again, you're going to feel a distance in that relationship. Does that make sense? Just like in that office scenario, right? It's going to cause disunity, it's going to cause guilt, and it's going to cause pain for you and whoever you're sinning against. There will always be consequences to sin, even though if it's forgiven sin, even though God's grace abounds all the more and it's covered, there's still consequences. Okay? I don't want to live into those consequences. I'd rather move on to verse 22 and 23. I'd rather have the benefits. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap, this is a benefit now, leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is what? death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the gift we've been given. There is a benefit to being alive in Christ. There's consequences to sin. Even if you're saved, there will be consequences, right? It doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It just means you're going to be more distant. It means you're going to probably walk around with some guilt. It it means the Holy Spirit's going to be trying to convict you of things. Like, God's going to try to get that thing out of your life, and it's not going to be fun. It's going to be hard, So it's going to have consequences of all those things. But man, when you live outside of sin, when you start to live for Christ and you start to to let him rule and reign in your heart and your life, there's benefits. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. So here's the benefits. The benefits of being alive in Christ, number one, is holiness. Holiness is a good word. Holiness means set apart. It means you don't look like anybody else. That's what holy means. It means you're different then. And I'm telling you, right now in the world we live in, I don't mind being different than the world I live in. I don't mind looking different than this brokenness and this mess that is all around me. Like, I'd rather look more holy. And when I say holy, I don't mean legalistic, like I'm better than you. I mean, I just rather look other than the world I live in, right? And that's the gift of Christ, that he sets us apart. That we get the gift of eternal life. That's the future glorified self in God's presence. That we get the gift of eternity with Him. So we look different in the world we live in and we get to look forward to the eternal life we get to live in. That looks way different than the world we live in. The benefits are closeness with God. When we're alive in Christ and we're living for Him and we're growing more in Him, that relationship draws closer and closer and closer. That is such a sweet communion with God. And he longs for that. He longs to hang out with you. He knows what's going on in your day. He knows what's happening in your mind. He knows the frustrations you're walking into. He would love to just hear you talk to him about it. And he would love to help you in it. And when you're alive in him, you get that closeness with God And if you're living in holiness and closeness with Him, you live more into your purpose, and honestly, God fills you with more peace. Even in the midst of the trial and storm, you can walk with peace with God. And I'm not talking just positional peace, I'm talking even the feeling of peace. You can rest in that. So, do you want the consequences of sin, or do you want the benefits of being alive in Christ? Which one? Right? We want benefits. We want benefits. So here's, here's my final question. My final question is this. What has reign and rule of your heart and your life? Is it God or is it sin? What has reign and rule over your heart and your life? I mean, what's going on internally and what you do externally, how you live. What is ruling? Is it your old self? Is it that sin that you struggle with? Or is it your new self? Is it God? Is it Christ changing you? Who has rule and reign? I I don't, this is for you to wrestle with. This isn't me to like point at you, okay? Or to like, for you to feel judged. This is self assessment stuff right now. Like, God, where am I with you? And for some of you in the room, you don't have a relationship with God. You haven't confessed. You haven't believed in Jesus Christ. You have not been justified. I mean, it's for you right now, it's just as if you have clearly sinned before God, and you will have to pay for the consequences of that sin. All of us will be before Him one day. Today, I'm going to encourage you, be right with God. Have peace with God. Let Him make you right before Him. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute, if that's you. But for those of you who are Christ followers in this room, we're going to unpack this next week, in the next week, and the week after that, okay? So this is the beginning of us talking through this and this tension. But I wanted to give you some tools today. Has this been helpful today? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Have the, were the charts good? Right? Right. It's helpful, right? We try to make God's word make sense. Um, And so we just want to spend some time, just a a few moments of response, um, and let let God work. So let's just pray in this moment. God, thank you for your word. We know it's true. We know that you hold all things. You teach all things. You want us to know all the things you have for us. And I'm praying, God, would you help us right now, those of us who are Christ followers in this room, help us— Help us see where we're off. Holy Spirit, would you show us where, where we're still trying to live into our old self or, or the areas where we let sin rule and reign that we, we just need to get rid of? We just need to confess. We need to move into forgiveness, God. Would you help us have victory in those areas, God? Even today, that we would confess them before you, say, God, here's my sin, here's the thing I'm struggling with, and ask you, would you forgive me? Knowing that when we ask, it's done. That we live under your grace and that forgiveness comes quickly. Help us walk in victory. And God, for those in this room that do not know you yet, I pray that you'd be pulling them towards you by your love, by your kindness, by your grace. God, invite them by your Holy Spirit to have salvation. Listen, if that's you today, if you need Christ right now, you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus died for you. That's it. And you can move from death to life. You can move to being justified before God. And so I'm going to pray, and you can pray these words and make them your own, but you can ask God right now. You can say, God, please forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he was the one that died on the cross to pay for my sin. I believe he rose again and is alive today. And I want to be with you forever in eternity. I want to be at peace with you. I want to have a relationship with you. So enter into my heart and life right now. I confess this in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room, as, as this morning, as we leave, uh, let us leave with an attitude of thanksgiving with a heart full of praise that you've already accomplished all the work on the cross. Now help us to live for you today. In Saint Christ's name I pray. Everybody said amen.